0: This is Jack Scallions. Would you join me for just a few moments from my heart to yours? Job was a mighty man of the East. He had no peer in possessions, power, or prestige. But here he sat in an ash heap, his emaciated body covered with scabs and running sores, bankrupt and bereaved. Unknowingly, he found himself the pawn in Satan's ploy to accuse the apex of God's creation. This was a celestial battle, but it was fought in a terrestrial setting. The outcome to reveal that Job did not serve God for earthly rewards and to reveal to Job that his strength was in his weakness. All heaven watched in silence. For 37 chapters of the drama, God did not speak a word. For days innumerable, Job and his friends talked and talked and talked. God's ears were filled with excuses and boastings and self-pride. Then God answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? God's twenty lessons to Job of creation origins, theology, and ethics left Job with only one statement, I am vile, with his hand covering his mouth. Elijah the Tishbite was the epitome of the prophets, no equal in daring deeds for Jehovah. But like Job, his world had imploded. Fire from heaven, rain from drought-laden skies gave way to a frantic, fearful flight, exhaustion, and a request to die. Now this mighty warrior stands quivering in the mouth of a cave, listening like Job as God reveals his power. The spiraling 80-mile journey must have given time for Elijah to conjecture. How could this thing be? A man who feared only Jehovah now frightened, perhaps like Job thinking his circumstances grossly unfair, and perhaps like Job a tinge of self-righteous pride. All those thoughts evaporated in a vapor as he edged warily toward the mouth of that cave and heard God again out of the whirlwind Then a still, small voice, Whence comest thou here, Elijah? Now the great prophet stands, his face wrapped in his mantle, about to face the all-powerful sovereign of heaven and earth and his own puny, pitiful weakness. Perhaps we, like these two Old Testament giants, must be brought to see our weakness and insufficiency in order to see God's power and His glory. Now that is a horrid thought to self-grandizing man. Pride is the seedbed of all sin. It reared its ugly head first in a beautiful angel named Lucifer and marched its destruction from the garden to the present. It is man's besetting sin, and from that one has hatched more than can be counted. Trace a line through mankind's history and see from the first word of the Decalogue to the last, all broken by prideful man, declaring, I can do without recourse from the Almighty whatever, and nothing will come of it. It was present with Job in that ash heap. It accompanied Elijah with each step from Jezreel to that juniper tree. It was with deceitful Jacob at Peniel. It was with David viewing Bathsheba from the top of that roof. It was with Absalom seeking to overthrow King David, with Achan as he hid the wedge of gold. It was with Saul as he pursued David in en and it was with Peter boasting, Though all forsake you, Lord, I will never. All cases confirm: Pride comes before a fall. Still a loving Heavenly Father seeks to bring us to the end of self. Living a pride-filled life, claiming glory for self and refusing to recognize the one who created, redeemed and sustained, closes in futile emptiness. Pride is a bitter word, a destroyer of life's pure meaning, and a wrecking ball of true happiness. Years ago, I borrowed these words from Dr. Jack Hiles of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. One by one he took them from me, all the things I valued most, until I was empty-handed, every glittering toy was lost, and I walked earth's highways grieving in my rags and poverty, till I heard his voice inviting, Lift your empty hands to me. So I held my hands to heaven, and he filled them with a store of his own transcending riches, till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my earthly mind and dull that God could not pour His riches into hands already full. For the most part, we learn too late. The curse of pride is found in our own ash heap or in the mouth of our own cave, with faces covered and the words uttered, I am vile, weak, and I abhor myself. Few of Adam's race learn, and fewer still refuse pride's tentacles. Yes, pride comes before a fall. This has been Jack Scallions. I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity today to share with you just a few moments from my heart to yours.